we sold 15,000 units of that product in one single day. And we sold six months of inventory in three weeks. Hey, my name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn when should you invent a new product or simply improve on an existing product, how they use TikTok to acquire new customers, and the unique benefits of SMS marketing. Before we get into our show, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Shopify App Store. Shopify apps help you easily customize and add features to your store to make it your own. The App Store hosts over 4,000 apps built specifically for Shopify businesses. Shopify developers all over the world built these apps to help you save time and unlock a range of new features, from showing your Instagram feed on your store to offering loyalty rewards and more. Check out shopify.com slash app store for the latest Shopify apps. Today, I'm joined by Enrico Frezza from Peace Out Skincare. Peace Out Skincare is the beauty tech company behind the magic patches that offer one-step solutions for top skin concerns like pimples, wrinkles, and dark spots, and was started in 2016 and based out of San Francisco, California. Welcome, Enrico. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So you created this 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 business, or rather the first product in the business, because of an issue that, that you suffered with. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so that's that's correct. Um, the piece out before it started, it, it was um, my own struggle with acne um, that I had throughout my teenager years, and I couldn't find anything to fix it. And back then, I ended up taking an Accutane, which cleared my major acne break. But after years, after that, I stopped the Accutane, I kept getting those occasional breakouts, and I got tired of trying everything under the sun to take care of them and I got tired of letting my breakouts make me feel insecure like when I was back in my teenage years which you know rob me of my self-esteem and happiness it it really took a toll uh, on my emotional well-being and I started researching different type of treatments that was not focused on acne um, to treat my breakouts because I tried everything to treat acne and nothing uh, worked for me so I stumbled upon uh, this dressing that is called Adrocolloid dressing, which has been used for wound care um, for over 25 years. And he said, absorbs fluids and reduces inflammation. And I said, well, okay, that, I can try it. I mean, I tried everything, so why not? Um, so I did a 20% salicylic acid peel on my face, and then I put a big patch and I went to sleep. Um, and when I woke up, the pimples were flat but so was a layer of my skin peeled off of it. Um, so it was definitely a learning um, experience. Um, but I found a dressing, the diagonal dressing that was able to absorb the pimple overnight. So I was like, okay, this is something. Uh, can we make this better? And making it better was to be able to infuse it uh, with acne fighting ingredients, which took a long time to find um, the manufacturer in the lab and a lot of testing in the kitchen at my house to be able to find the right percentages and stuff. But we were able to achieve it and file a patent. We're the first ever uh, company to infuse active acne ingredients with this hydrocolon dressing to make it the one um, acne healing dot. 
Got it. So you have this issue. You found a a, a a solution that solves at least partially your issue just out in the marketplace. What made you kind of piece it together that, oh, there there can be more done with the existing products in the marketplace? So I feel the acne category hasn't really changed since 1980. Um, and it's been very doctor-driven. And most of the products out there, it was just a repetitive of the same things. Um, just in different packaging formats. And I didn't feel there was very much innovation in that category, and it was just extremely clinical. So what we wanted to do is to bring, first of all, a first-to-market product that it's effective uh, treating breakouts overnight. And then secondly, bringing it with a brand that was not doctor-driven, but instead was fun and not scary, to be able to reach to that demographic that, like I personally, they struggle with acne that knows that they just want it gone. Um, but, you know, fun, engaging lifestyle brand aspect. Got it. Okay. So tell us more about the, the origins. That, so you, you knew that you could improve on this product. What were the first steps you, you made to actually create the product? So the first steps was to test it on myself. Um, so it was definitely my test subject. And that, um, as I was mentioning, like burning a layer of my skin out and finding the right percentages. Then. I started looking for manufacturers that will be able to infuse these ingredients with the hydrocolor dressing, which is easier said than done. It's extreme, it was extremely challenging. It took six months and I almost gave up. I reached out to 75 manufacturers in the US and overseas and nobody could do it. Or if they could try to do it, it would take two, three years of R&D, which was not um, an option. So. Eventually, I found through a patent um, these that they were able to mix alginate, which is improves the adhesion of the of the dressing. So I said, well, if they were able to mix that, then maybe they can mix the active ingredients, and I would like to put into the into the patch. And I reached out to them, and after seven R and D batches and test and trial, we were able to achieve the final results, which is the acne dot, which is currently in the marketplace. Got it. So you mentioned that you look for manufacturers, took six months, 75 manufacturers, the one that, ones that responded, said that would take a long time. You mentioned you almost gave up. I think this is certainly a kind of crossroads that a lot of entrepreneurs run into where it, they're trying everything seemingly to try to, you know, take their business to the next level, uh, you know, create the, create the products and are also deciding, should I give up and try something else? So what kept you going during this, this time? I feel what kept me going is that I knew it was possible uh, somehow. Um, it it might have been challenging, but it, I knew that I had, a, I guess, like feeling that I could I could find the right manufacturer to make this work and believe into my idea versus uh, just saying it's impossible or they would take multiple years to try and develop it. And I really had the goal to help people that struggle with acne because I know how it personally feels to have acne breakouts. And I just knew that there was something better that had to be put into the marketplace. So that kept me going. Got it. Now, when you did finally land on a manufacturer that, that helped produce the product, how did you find them? So I, I found on the patent that I was mentioning uh, that they were able to mix the alginates with the dressing. I looked up the inventor. Uh, one of the inventors in that patent and then Google them. So I kind of stalked a little bit the patent and then the person. Um, and he was the owner of the manufacturer in California that was 
funny enough, only 30 minutes away from my house. So I set up a meeting and, and that was it. Mm, okay, so okay, so you, you found someone that had the patent already and they were nearby to you, you set up a meeting. What was that, that, that meeting like? How do you even begin a conversation with someone that has a patent for, or I guess a patent that you, you may need for a, a product that you're creating? Yeah, it was not. It was not the same patent. So it was their patent was to mix uh, alginates with the dressing uh, in order to improve the adhesion for wound care. Um, so it was a totally unrelated, I guess, patent itself. It's just that their ability to be able to mix those alginates with the hydrocolor dressing gave me an idea that they were being able to mix also my active ingredients into the dressing, which was the case. Makes sense. Okay, so once you um, found a manufacturer, how long did it take before the, the the product was ready to 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 be sold? About a year, because since it's a it's a OTC product, um, we needed to make sure that the salicylic acid, which is what we infuse the hydrocolor dressing with to treat acne, was stable across um, X number of months in under different temperature conditions and humidity. So that took a little bit of adjustments on the R&D part to be able to achieve. Got it. Now, were you doing any kind of like uh, testing during this time with other uh, you know, folks that are in your market? Because I know you mentioned that you are your ideal client and you were the first kind of test subject when you're creating this uh, by yourself. But as you were developing this, were you able to do any kind of testing with the market? Yeah, we, we back then we mostly did um, friends and family um you know, testing, we didn't have, the, I guess, the capital to be able to start doing clinical testing. Um, so it was more of a, like a close group of friends and family to test it out and, and provide feedback. Personally, at the beginning, I just wanted to make sure that I achieved the best possible product. When we first started, um, we noticed, for example, that the patch would turn brownish uh, because of the salicylic acid or the adhesion would um, wouldn't be so great or the absorption would not be so great so we had to find the right levels and then once I had in my mind the final product um, then we started testing it out with friends and family to get feedbacks and they were awesome so they were like okay so it's not just me it works for other people as well so that's great got it awesome so once you got that first manufactured run how many how, how much did you order at that time that first production run do you remember in terms of units number, yeah, it was twenty thousand. Got it. So once you had those twenty thousand units, how did you get your first customers? Well, it was before that. that we, before we went into production, we already partnered with Sephora um, to to launch exclusively with them in Sephora US, both online and in stores. Um, so once we had an idea of, I guess, the size of the potential business, then we started the production for it. That's awesome. Okay, so Sephora, how did that come up? How did that relationship come up? So we got introduced to Sephora through, I mean, I guess int- more than introduced, we had the opportunity to pitch to Sephora uh, through a family friend. And when we pitched, it, it it definitely took a while. It was not an easy, um, you know, getting in Sephora. They, they only pick exclusively about four or five brands per category a year, um, especially if you launch in store as well. So it was definitely a, a challenge to be able to get to Sephora and then start pitching it. Um, when we originally pitched the first time to Sephora, they um, they were like, "This is great. We love your 
your product, we, we have tested it, we love your brand, but we need a full brand, not just one product. So at the beginning, it was just the first product, which was called Peace of Acne, still is. Um, and we kind of revamped our branding and came back with a full pipeline and the Peace Out skincare brand with multiple products underneath it. Got it. So, other than other than coming up with or having more product products in your in your in your in your kind of product catalog, what else did you find attracted you you to, or rather, um, the Sephora found attractive about you, your brand that they chose you? Because again, I think at this point you didn't have any sales or anything yet. You're a brand new company. What made them kind of put their trust into you? Uh, that's a good point. So it was it was most definitely I feel the the brand and the founder story behind the brand, which is always um, a strong connection. And the technology and the product itself so it's, it's been a combination of things. But I feel in their mind back then, it was that, as I was mentioning, acne is it, such a clinical category that was really not changed for a long time. And having an acne product that was fun and engaging, non-clinical, not doctor-driven, I think it really appealed to them for a younger demographic that they were not yet tapping into, um, at least in the acne category. Got it. Okay, awesome. So when you did the, this launch, um, well, did you did you have to were you responsible for any kind of marketing behind it, or did you just kind of launch and Sephora took most of the brunt of the marketing? We were responsible for for the marketing. It was they they of course supported us, um, and they keep they keep supporting us. They're being an amazing partner. But it was definitely a split into, into the marketing. We had to do our part uh, with the resources that we had, and they they helped us. So it was kind of a win-win by both sides. Uh, it, was, it was not just one-sided. Makes sense. Okay, awesome. So when you did when you did this launch with Sephora, did you also already have a website that you're also selling from? Yeah, so we, we, the, we had a website through Shopify, uh, pieceofskincare.com. We originally launched our website so we what we wanted to do at the beginning was to focus on driving sales to sephora to really build a partnership since they you know they trusted us for a brand that had zero sales as you mentioned and before even launching so they they took a bet on us and i wanted to make sure that our partnership with sephora was solid um so at the beginning our website was purely for educational purposes um we were not selling it was to educate the consumer on the brand story and the products and and the vision of the brand where we wanted to go. Then eventually, after I believe in eighteen, we so after a year, we started selling through our website as well. Awesome. So now, once you start selling through your website, did you have a different kind of a marketing strategy to get clients or sorry to get customers to, to your website rather than um, just through the retail channels with Sephora? Yeah, so we started exploring more into like SEO um, that we haven't tapped into much before. Um, We also started into like a digital advertising, started driving some sales to our own site uh, versus versus Sephora. And also press, for example, press was always directed to Sephora and we started um, splitting a little bit to our site as well. Then, um, so that was back in 18, we were still very much newbies on uh, direct-to-consumers and e-commerce, and we were still very much focused on Sephora and the global expansion within Sephora, which uh, took a lot of resources on our small team that was 
in 2018, I think it was four of us. Uh, now we're 20. So yeah. Awesome. Now, when you launched onto your own website and you mentioned that you had to add more lines to the product, you've, you've grown since then as well with additional product lines. How do you decide what to, to launch next? So all the products in our in our line, they always are connected to something that I personally struggled with. Um, so we launched the first product was Piece of Acne. Then we launched Piece of Pores, which are overnight um, pore strips that you put on your nose or on your cheeks. And it absorbs the, all the oil and then it's trapped within your pores and seals the pores with the ingredients that are inside the patch. Um, then we launched Piece of Dark Spots, which is a dissolving microneedling dot to uh, treat a pigmentation. And that was my own personal struggle with melasma that I have. Um, and then it was piece of wrinkles as I'm now in my late 20s. I'm starting to see some initial fine lines. So I wanted to treat them. And we that's what we launched, uh, piece out wrinkles, which are dissolving microneedling patches um, to treat fine lines and wrinkles. Um, yeah, so the old, I mean, all the, now we have, we have seven products. They're all connected to a personal struggle. And I guess as a consumer perspective, I really watch the marketplace and I see, and I try to think of it, what am I missing in my current routine that I will, that I would like to have, or what am I not liking about a certain product that I'm using that I would like to improve. So it's not always reinventing the wheel. Sometimes it's also improving it. Um, I feel with a lot of our products was really re reinventing the wheel and be truly first to market products. But as we are expanding, is also uh, how can you improve a certain product, um, if that makes sense. That does. Can you say more about this? Or how do you decide which one is a, a better approach of reinventing the wheel, so basically creating something brand new, reinventing the wheel in some cases, or improving an existing product? How do you decide which one, which path you decide to take? So I, I think when there is something that is truly lacking in that category, then it needs a first market product like it was with acting, like it was with dark spots, dark spots, that category hasn't been really changing also 20 years. There is being the same active ingredients and the same delivery system to treat hyperpigmentation, uh, same as wrinkles. And a lot of times topical products can only go so far in what they can treat, especially when you deal with hyperpigmentation and wrinkles that are kind of deep underneath the skin. And that's what we picked dissolving microneurine patches to treat it. Now the, our pipeline is expanding and we're looking at more all over solutions. That's where I feel we can look at improving what's currently there um, and making it better and more effective um, versus reinventing or I guess starting something from scratch. Mm -hmm. what, what's your process? What's your approach for like product development when you are taking the approach of improving on an existing product? So I guess testing a lot of different ones and I make a list of the pros and cons with all the ones that I test. Um, and based on my own personal preference, which I guess now it starts to seem then it's aligned with what the consumer likes. Um, I, I make a list of what I would like to improve from that. So we take that as a benchmark, I guess the most favorite and we're like, okay, so these are the pros and cons. How can we achieve these results and how can we make it better? And then that starts the process of making it better with the list of the different things to tackle 
to achieve it. So now that you've gone through this process a few times with different products in your product line, do you find that the process of product development any easier or are the challenges still always present? I feel it's becoming a little easier in terms of the procedure in place and knowing the process in order to stay within the tight timeline. So we don't have, you know, a year or two to to develop products. Like right now I'm working on, on the next six to seven at the same time. So the, the timelines can be a little tight. Um, and I feel having done this before, um, I know what the process is. So it makes it a little bit easier in terms of navigating the different steps. I feel that when it comes down to you know, the, the product development part itself on improving a product or testing it, something uh, first to market is, is always going to present some challenges, um, especially when you the first to market and nobody has done it before. It makes it difficult to first testing the efficacy of it and secondly, to make sure that, um, you know, there is not there is not issues with the product, like that it delivers what's promised. What do you think is the most important part of the product development process that has like the biggest impact on on the product success? I feel the combination of both the right formula with the right delivery system. For example, you can develop uh, like for the launch of Peace Outdoorness, we were test we had to go through so many different uh, adjustments on the formula because the formula was awesome in paper, uh, and the delivery system was was awesome, but with the delivery system of these gauze pads, it was making the formula very sticky. Um, so we had to make multiple adjustments to erase the, the tackiness from the product. Um, so I feel it's always towards the final stages when you really have to perfect it, then it becomes the most critical part because you always kind of in that tight timeline when you have to finalize in order to start production, which it's normally, you know, three three to four months before you launch the product. So you have a little wiggle room to perfect everything before you go right into production. Mm. Now, when you are working on a new product, do you, do you, I guess, give hints of it to, in your marketing or how do you, how do you launch it to your, to your customers? So as soon as we have um, a final formula and a, prototype of the product we start an internal consumer study so through a pool of uh you know the peace house squad family um we send out product to run a consumer study internally to get and it's like a three pages questionnaire to in order to start to understand the feedback and um making sure that this is good you know in, in a consumer perspective and based on that response we make the final adjustments before we go into production and then while we start production, we normally start a clinical trial. Hey, real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Got it. Makes sense. Awesome. So now that you are, are you know, online, your, your store is, is full with different product lines. What is the kind of marketing channel that you focus on these days to, to, to acquire new customers? We're always testing new um you know, new platforms, I would say the social media between Instagram, um, Facebook and TikTok have been your drivers uh, from the social media standpoint, um, press, um, SMS, marketing, Google SEO, emails. I mean, I, I would need 
junior CML to, I guess, give you a full, a full more detailed response on this, but I feel there are so many different sources of marketing that drives to our own website. And as we're growing, we're always expanding and testing new uh, new ways of driving and connecting more to a, you know to our consumer. Awesome. So yeah, let's talk about uh, TikTok. It's one of those channels that I think our audience is interested in, but might not have explored much yet. So tell us more about how you use TikTok to acquire customers. Yeah, so TikTok is um, it's been a really fascinating platform. Um, at the beginning of the year, we started discussing getting involved uh, and, and starting TikTok. And before we did jump, before we jumped on it, we wanted to re- put a strategy together. Um, and once the strategy was put in place, it was about, about February uh, of this year. So right when the pandemic started eating and we started gifting out um, influencers on TikTok and reaching out to them to give our products into their hands. Um, and one great video that came from that was we gifted um, piece of pores to Kylin, um, a TikTok influencer, which then Iram, which is um, the biggest skincare TikTok influencers, 5.4 million followers, um, did a duet video with, um, with, her, with her and he had more than 12 million views. Um, and it was loved more than 2.4 million times and shared over 60,000 times. And that resulted in, we sold 15,000 units of that product in one single day. Um, and we sold six months of inventory in three weeks. So we normally keep on end six months worth of inventory. And it was totally sold out. We're still sold out on our website. We're, hopefully we'll be back in stock next week. Um, but yeah, it was, what was fascinating was that with TikTok, there was a lot of, I guess, different opinions on actually driving sales versus just being um, just driving views. Um, and these kind of proved that, that, at least for us, that you can, you can actually drive sales and a lot of it, more than any other platform that we've ever seen. And what, what was interesting about TikTok, then it's not like, for example, Instagram, when something is posted on a feed after a month or so, it's dead. Like nobody scrolls down that much to see it. And it's rare that it gets re- re-picked up in your browse feed. Um, with TikTok, as things trend, they can be trending for six months to a year, just like kind of like YouTube in a way. Um, so we felt that that was also a great investment where you can keep trending for such a long period of time for something that you invested once into. Awesome. So it's basically like an influencer marketing strategy for TikTok. How do you identify or how did you identify the influencers to to work with? So we try to find people that we we feel connect with the brand. Um, so they either struggle, for example, with acne or pores or any of the, of the other products that we have in our line. Um, and I guess people that we feel have the right type of engagement, um, meaning they feel uh, authentic when they, when, they, when they post their videos and the, the way they interact with their um, following. Got it. Now, what's the process to to reach out to an influencer on TikTok? Um, so we have a social media manager and a, a TikTok manager where they scout um, on the platform TikTok influencers and they reach out through messages uh, directly on the platform. And you know, we give 
we'll send them free product to test and try. And we ask in exchange for a video to share their experience with the product and their honest feedback. Got it. So that's, you know, usually on, I guess on Instagram or maybe even YouTube, there's the sponsor content. Is that as prevalent on TikTok where people are paid to, to review or to at least to, I guess, to be an influencer for your product? It's not, not as much. Um, I feel now there is more brands uh, starting to do paid advertising through inf- TikTok influencers. Um, for us, most of the content that it's on TikTok was just through organic uh, seeding, product seeding and uh, not paid. After we saw that big uh, video with Hiram, we decided to test and try for the launch of a latest product, Acting Serum, uh, a couple of sponsored posts. So yeah, so now we, it's mostly still organic for us, but we'll, we'll be looking into doing a couple of more sponsor posts. Got it. Now, what's the, the kind of ideal kind of content that a, a TikTok influencer would create that leads to things like a 15,000 units sold in one single day? Like what kind of content do you see, do you see that works the best? That's a million dollar question. Um, I, I feel. What worked for us was kind of showing both the instant gratification of the poor strips peeling off the nose and showing all the junk that he sucked out. So it's kind of that visual uh, gross effect and showing in the video she showed her before uh, the nose close up and then the after with her in the video going close to her nose, showing the after effect of how clean it was afterwards. So I think in, in a 30 seconds or 45 seconds video showing both the product, the, the instant gratification of showing the junkness on the strip or the dot and showing the after results, it's what really makes something go viral. Mm, makes sense. Now, what about on Instagram? What do you guys do on there? So on Instagram, we try to do also similar things. We also do organic seeding and we, we tested uh, paid sponsorships. I, I feel Instagram is a little bit of a different platform in terms of the type of content. Also, it's not so video driven uh, for us as part of the stories. So it's more focused on education and product imagery, um, et cetera. Now, do you also, you mentioned you also work with influencers on there. Are there, is it the same type of content where it's like a demonstration a before and after that seems to work or what, do, what did you mean by education? Uh, education meaning um, like explaining how the product works, um, the ingredient story, um, the, the differentiation with, for example, for our acne dots versus other pimple patches out there. Got it. So one thing I noticed when I went on your site, and you mentioned this earlier, is regarding SMS marketing. So the pop-up that goes up on your site for a discount code is strictly asking for a phone number rather than an email. What made you go with this approach? What we're noticing is that the younger demographic, uh, especially Generation Z, you know, it's, and all of us get so many spam emails that we are, and through our research, the SMS marketing has a much higher opening rate. Uh, so we decided to test it and we launched it on July 7th with the launch of our latest product, piece of acne serum. And we had, by now we already have 4,000 sub- subscribers and with a an impressive ROI of 555, which is pretty insane. Um, and we're, so we're just at the beginning with SMS marketing. So we're still testing to see what works, what doesn't, and, you know, keep improving it from there. Got it. And is that the main way you collect the, the, the phone numbers? Is it through the pop-up on the website? 
Correct. Now, you mentioned that one of the benefits of SMS is that it has much higher open rates. Are there any other advantages that you're finding with SMS that makes it better than, than email? Well, the ROI, it's 555%. It's pretty high. Um, it's, I mean, uh, average ROI, I think, is about 250%. So it's almost double than our average ROI on that. Um, and also the order value seems to be a little bit higher um, from the consumer coming from the SMS marketing versus email marketing, as an example. Mm -hmm. So the, the limitations on SMS, I think, are clear, or there's less you know, real estate for you to get your message across on SMS compared to email. How do you kind of adapt with, with that kind of limitation? In, in SMS marketing, it's, it's mostly as, you know, copy focused, so we keep it short and sweet. Um, and in email, we have an opportunity to be a little bit more creative and show more imagery. Um, so, yeah, which we, we try to, it tends, it's a lot more, um, I guess, um, a, a tighter copy aspect. We, we try to keep it short. Got it. Do you also, or can you also send any media like images or like, or even videos through SMS with your marketing? Uh, yes, you can, but we have not uh, done that yet. That's, we just we just launched it less than a month ago, so we're still um, testing it out. Got it. Do you do you um, usually is a goal to drive the to send them SMS with like a link to like a product page or what is like the kind of call to action? Yeah, the call to action will be to to an individual product most of the times to keep it focused on on driving the sales to one product versus trying to drive the sales to multiple. In the in in a different aspect, for example for example, in emails, you can be driving to multiple products and so not just one. And how, how often do you are you planning on sending out messages now uh, through SMS? Um, about once or twice a week. God, is that like the recommendation that you usually hear? Because I'm assuming SMS is you know, a little bit more, a phone number is a little bit more of a, 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 requires more trust, right? When you give someone your phone number versus email. Do you find that one or two a week is like the most you can probably send? Yeah, because it doesn't feel spammy. You, you, mm -hmm. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to feel like it's it, an everyday thing will be too much and I think it will resulting as subscribers versus news. Awesome. So I want to talk a little about the website. So was this the website design in-house? You hire outside to, to, to build the website for you? So originally, um, we had we we done in-house using one of the templates from Shopify and then slightly customizing it. And it was the best way to be able to put a site out there and in the most affordable way and the quickest way. Then as as we started selling, we started improving it and customizing the template even more. Um, and then in July of this year, we relaunched our website and we created our own entirely new design, uh, still on built on Shopify, but it was fully customized versus relying on a template. So we, we had an opportunity to have Add a little bit more custom customization and more features that we wanted to represent the brand, and that was a. It's been a great. Um, it's been a great year in general, through you know from our own site, and now that we finally were able to launch a website that really represents what the brand is and stands, it's awesome. 
Yeah. So as you've gone through this this new launch of the website and over the years, the different redesigns, were there certain changes that you've made that have led to increased conversions? Uh, yeah. So we tried to make it more user-friendly and also a deeper focus on the mobile um, since over 60%, I think now it's maybe even 70 comes from mobile um, on our own website. So we wanted to make it the most easy way to navigate and reach the checkout in in the least time possible uh, without having to go through multiple pages or multiple steps. God, it makes sense. What about any applications that you use on the website that have helped with uh, with um, running the business or even like things like increasing conversions? Well, we added like um, Afterpay to, you know, to reach, we started seeing a lot of websites through Shopify started offering that. Um, we have multiple checkout options like PayPal, Amazon Pay, um, credit cards. With um, shipping rates, there, there's a couple of apps, I don't remember the names, um, but we implemented to be able to make the checkout process as seamless as possible. Awesome. So, what, what about what do you, what do you want to focus on over the next year with the business? Like what's the kind of next milestone that you guys want to work towards? Well, it's keep focusing on, um, of course, expanding within Sephora globally. So we we launched, as I mentioned, July 17, uh, 2017, with Sephora US online in stores. We are now uh, since then we launched with Sephora Europe in seventeen countries and um, thirteen hundred stores. We have launched in with Sephora Canada in May of this year, and we launched with Sephora Australia and New Zealand in July of this year. So it's it's keep focusing on expanding our business and making it stronger within Sephora exclusively, and keep in driving our site. Um, it's I mean this year has been in pretty insane how much we've seen it growing compared to last year. So to keep the trend up will be great. So we keep focusing on finding new ways to to increase our site sales and business size. Awesome. So peaceoutskincare.com is a website. Thank you so much for coming on, Rico, and sharing your experience and story with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.